Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. This is part two of a two-part interview that I did with Pastor Chris. If you haven't listened to the first part of this interview, I would highly suggest you to do that. And if you have, I know you enjoyed it, and you're going to love this part as well. Here we go. Well, anyway, tell me this. Help us understand this. Balancing ministry and family. Obviously, you've been in this 40 years. You're married. You've got three children, one grandchild. What does that look like? How do you you establish those good boundaries? Is it is it is there such thing as I've heard some you know business gurus say, well, there is no such thing as balance. It's just sometimes you ebb and flow in season. Uh, what's that look like for you in, in ministry and pastor? You know, my dad always said my dad worked for a guy, which I've always remembered the name Red Bowman. No idea. I don't even I don't even remember this guy. I just love that name. Red. Red Bowman. Yeah. But um, my dad was working for a textile company mm-hmm. and he was over all the computers. And this is back, you know, when the computer took up. The, the 64k room. memory computer took <laughs> up you know a whole room and it was punch cards I, mean, I would go in there and play on it and um so he was over so he was a salary employee mm-hmm. which means you know and if you don't know what that means that means you know you get paid x amount of dollars but you have to work however much is needed right so if there's not a lot of work it's a great day but if you have to stay 18 hours you stay 18 hours all week right and so you know my dad and my, my dad was always very committed to my mom and us and when we were little, all my life. And um, he said, Red looked at him one day. He said, Ray, he says, you'll, he goes, you got one or two choices to be in life. You can either be a company man or a family man. Hmm. He says, you're never going to be both. He says, if you want to do one, he goes, if you want to do one well, he says, the other suffers. Hmm. But, you know, you think about it. You can't serve God and mammon. Hmm. You're either going to, you know, you know, and so, um, I, uh, you know, I made up my mind. So again, my mom did divorce when I was 10. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been married 30, 34 years come March 12th. So wow. um, very thankful for my wife and uh, our marriage. But I just made up my mind, you know, early. I, I you know, I, I don't want to be an absent father. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want to be engaged. I'm still engaged with my kids. Um, you know, um, my daughter, Molly, um, uh, she, she just, she now works for a, Ramsey Solutions, Dave mm-hmm. Ramsey, and uh, God's blessed her and stuff. We were talking one day. She was working for the Georgia National Guard. Was going oh, on wow. vacation, and so she was taking uh, two weeks to go on vacation with us to the beach. Mm-hmm. She told her friends that, and they said, "You're going on vacation with your mom and dad? Are you stupid?" How she said, everybody there was like, "I can't stand even thoughts of being with your, my mom and dad for oh, three yeah. days, let alone two weeks." And Molly was like. Well, I enjoy my mom and dad. We have fun. She goes, so it's funny. About three years later, she told me, she says, all my employees want to meet y'all. She says, because y'all have to be the best parents. That's what her friend, that's what her friend. And, um, you know, to me, it just comes in that, you know, I, I like <clears throat> one of my stories. Um, and I'll say this. I never, especially pastor, I never let, I tried to never let my kids take the heat for what I did. Mm. And I've had people try to blame them or take out their aggravation on them for some decision I made. Mm. And, um, and I think God honors it when you, you know, when you walk righteously, even if no one else keeps books. Yeah. So years ago, Molly was 14 years old. I had done something on the stage without getting permission from a woman. Mm. 
didn't know I needed the permission to move a plant. And um, evidently I did. Her. <laughs> and she chewed Molly out in the foyer. Just choose her out. Mm. And I didn't know it. I didn't know they were a, a big giving family. I didn't mm-hmm. care. I still don't care. And um, I called her on the phone. And I said, uh, did this happen? She goes, yes, it did. I said, well, let's just understand something real quick. I said, I'm the senior pastor of the church. I get paid. This is my job. If I don't do something you like, I said, I want to hear about it. I said, I appreciate that. I said, if you think I'm out of line, talk to me. I appreciate that. And I changed my tone. I said, but my daughter is off limits. Yeah. I said, Her job is to be a 14-year-old kid, not your sounding board. Mm-hmm. I said, are we clear? I said, don't you ever do that again. And I knew the moment I did it, I'd lose them. Mm. I would rather lose them than lose my daughter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for what good is it? You know, and I've always used this paraphrase, you know, what good is it to win the whole world and lose your soul? Mm. Or what good is it to win the whole world and lose your family? Right. I love my family like my soul. I mean, you know, they're, so I mean, um, and I think I only had to do that once. And after I made that one call with those group of people, my, my kids were off limits. They mm-hmm. never bothered my kids. And I, you know, and, uh, and I think that sometimes the, I, I think it's, that's a hard thing. I got one pastor friend. He actually said one day he's watching whole movies and they're sitting there as a family watching all the whole movies, you know, the, the birthdays and the mm-hmm. Easter bunny and stuff. And finally he looked at, he says, he, and he finally looked at his wife. He says, where am I? Mm. I must've been filming. She goes, no, honey, you weren't there. Mm. She says, you were never there. She said, you were always at the, um, hospital you was at the church you were preaching you know which, which, i mean you know works work you, you I, I don't think you should ever feel guilty for working and providing for your family and there's sometimes you know when i travel there's a lot of week you know i, I missed a lot of weeks you know right I, I you know there's usually two or three times a year i'd be gone for about two weeks mm-hmm. straight i just booked myself real hard but usually every wednesday night i was at home for church unless it was one of those two or three times in the year mm-hmm. and uh, I, I taught children's church with my wife I did that so that I could be involved with my church. I could be, you know, I could be a, yeah. a member of my church. Um, and I did it too. Every Wednesday night, we went to Krispy Kreme with my kids. You know, I mean, I, I did certain things and uh, there was a lot of times, buddy, I would finish a revival. I'm driving home all night because, you know, Thursday morning, me and Sarah Beth and Molly had swim gym. That means yeah. that was a thing for homeschoolers. And, um, you know, to me, it just takes commitment. I, I, I don't know if it's balance. I, to me, it looks like commitment. Yeah. And I, I think it's wrong to try to make your kid feel balanced. Mm. If that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it, it does. Child should know you're committed to them. And at the same time, the child has to realize sometimes, you know, work demands I'm gone for two weeks mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. It's not that I want to, you know, but I'll be back, you know, and, and in today's world, Lord, my gosh, you know, with zoom and duo and FaceTime, you know, back then for me to call my daughter, or my wife, and I got two daughters one son, for me to call them for five minutes with roaming cell phone charges. You don't even know what this is. Nobody, you know, for roaming cell phone, it was a $20 call. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, so now to have, you know, unlimited minutes. Right. Yeah. Y- y- y'all have no idea how, I mean, for years I prayed that I could make unlimited phone calls when I traveled. You know, this is back in the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s, my phone bill, my long distance phone bill, not my cell phone. My long distance was always uh, four to six hundred dollars a month. Wow, maybe more. And my cell phone was two to three. Yeah, it's because you were always on the phone. You were scheduling. You were, you know, doing stuff, working. It was our calling home. It was horrible. <laughs> now, yeah. 
this is such a good day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you say that like basically every work day when my daughter Naomi wakes up, I get a FaceTime call. And like, I know, like my wife calls me and I get to see my little daughter running around and talk to her for a few minutes and then go back to work. Yeah. So it's, I, I think the day and age we live in, um, there's so many, there are luxuries that we've had that, that weren't there, yeah. but it still is necessary to have that decision. I'm going to be committed. I like what you said there. It, you make a commitment, you know, I'm going to honor my wife. I'm going to honor my family and I'm committed to them because, you know, I, it, whether it's ministry or any, any other gifting or calling, whatever type of work someone may do, you know, it's interesting when, um, by the Holy Spirit, Paul's giving instruction to pick what bishops and deacons, both, both of them had a requirement to honor their family, you yeah. know, to be a, a good husband, to be a good spouse, to honor their children and have their home in order, which means it was like a means of standard saying, if you can keep your home in order, you can help keep the church in order. And, and I think that's what God's idea is. You know, I've heard other people say exactly what you, what you said. It's, it's not worth whatever you're doing to go out here and do all these external things and win achievements or hit goals in life. If I lose everything back at home, it's just, it's just a cost far too great. And I've got, you know, again, I've been at this now 36 years, full time, 40 years I've been preaching, Mm -hmm. but I've got way, I got a number of friends that their kids' lives are just a wreck Mm. and their family lives have always been a wreck, you know, but their church comes first. Wow. And, and, you know, that, you know, and, you know, I told, I told somebody one day we were talking about church growth and growing and, you know, I want my church to grow. Right. I want, I, I want it to grow online right now as much as anything, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I want it to grow. I want it to be successful. No question. But I told somebody, I said, you know, I said, if that means I have to lose my kids or my wife, I said, I'm not doing that. I said, I'm just not, I said, I've not had Jesus appear to me and tell me to forsake that. Mm-hmm. or to you know and and i you know and, and I, I know there are times and seasons where you know that's like i've always joked you know if you're on staff at a church and you think you're getting off for the week of easter <laughs> you're an idiot you know that is a major week in church yeah. december week is a blur huh december is a december blur. is a blur i yeah. mean you know there's a certain there's certain seasons where you know you give 120 percent yeah but then there's other times you know where you don't and uh, i know I, I i just read the other day i forgot who it was I forget who it was, what company. And when you go on vacation, you come back and they actually, actually this guy said, he actually will quiz some of his employees what you did. Mm. Says, because if you go on vacation, he says, I want you to rest with your family. Mm-hmm. He says, your job is not to go to a conference, not to read books, not to do this, you know, not to come back with a new plan for us on the marketing plan. He says, your job is to do that. And he says, and if you don't, he goes, I'll fire you. Mm. He says, I want you to be rested. I want you to be re- restored and renewed. He said, but I want your family to enjoy you. And, um, and it's a pretty high profile uh, 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 Christian company. Mm-hmm. But he said, um, he said, I want to do that. You know, and most people don't, you know, they'll mm-hmm. kill themselves on vacation. Then they come back to work tired or they, you know, never really spend time with their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I look back, you know, we grew up, we didn't grow up poor, poor. Mm-hmm. Money was always tight. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was you know kind of poor. And it's funny, like I look back on some of the stuff we did as kids and all the neighborhood kids came to my house mm. because of my mom. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, we didn't have money to go to the pool. So my mom would take us to the river. Mm-hmm. We'd take a picnic lunch. 
our neighbors would go with us, our neighbor, neighbor kids, we mm-hmm. would find rocks. Now tell me if this is an exciting summer for an eight-year-old and come home and paint rocks <laughs> and do crafts and stuff. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I look yeah. back now, it was the greatest childhood. I mean, I, I feel sorry for people, but it wasn't, you know, I look back, you know, but too, it wasn't, it wasn't the activity. It was being with my mom, you know? Mm, right. Yeah. And I, 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 you, you can't, you can't put money on that. And there's something to be said about that. Just being, being all in, um, I had the opportunity to teach a Wednesday service last night and I was teaching from John 10 on the good shepherd. And, and Jesus says this point, I think it's verse 14. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I give my life for the sheep. And, uh, and I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it before in preparation, study and prayer, but just right then it just kind of clicked whatever, whatever God gives to us, we give our life to it. If I'm a husband, I give my life to it. I'm not going to be a 90% husband. I'm going to be a hundred percent husband, father, pastor, whatever I'm called to do. And I think, especially in our day of age with FaceTime, technology, Zoom, everything that's so much distraction, you can actually be at work, but not be at work, right? You want to be a good employee or a good employer. When you're at work, be at work. When you're at home, be at home. And that's something I have to constantly rain in so that when I'm I'm at home, I, I, I love to read. I'm, I know you're an avid reader too. I love to read, but I, the easiest thing for me to do is get home, get home from work, you know, say, Hey to Lars, hug Naomi, play a little bit. And then all of a sudden I've just grabbed a book on prayer. And it's not that it's bad to read a book on prayer, but right now I've basically got 45 minutes before Naomi goes to bed. Yeah. Is this the best time for me to read this, you know, teaching on prayer? <laughs> Maybe I do that when everyone's asleep, if you know, but be fully where you're at. And I think we can, you know, being pastors, when you're at church, be at church. Yeah. When you're, when you're there worshiping, worship. When you're there listening, someone's teaching, listen. Wherever you're at, be 100% in, just like Christ. I give my life for the sheep. It's not just him dying on the cross. He get everything he was, the ministry, everything. He gave himself fully to it. And I think that's so important. It kind of goes back to that gifting and calling and your purpose. Be in it. Be in it 100%. You know, the, the, the other sad thing is, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm willing to die for my kids mm. and take a bullet. Well, who cares if you're not willing to sit there and eat lunch with them? Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you, you give your life daily. You know, Jesus said, I take up my cross daily. But, you know, I mean, you, like in that verse, and I, and I haven't never saw it this way until just now. But, you know, I've always equated that, you know, I give my life for the sheep. Yeah, he died for us. You know, that was him giving his life. But you think about it, for him to go from heaven to earth and live amongst us, that was giving his life daily, every yes. day. And so there's that other side. You know, I always think it's funny. And I, I don't know, I just call it redneckisms. Uh, you know, so I'll, I'll die for my kids. I'll die for my kids. You know, and then I'm like, you know, when's the last time you was home? I ain't seen my kids in two years. You know, it's like, I don't think you will. Yeah. Yeah. If <laughs> I could get myself in trouble, but it's kind of like, bless God, I'll, I'll die for this gospel. Praise the Lord. Well, yeah. you know, you've been, you've been showing up about 20 minutes late every week now for about 17 years. Let's before you die and become a martyr for the gospel, let's just get you in on church on time. I t- oh, oh my God. Don't even start. Don't even start. I had a guy, I had a guy visit not long ago, our church. and I knew he wouldn't stay. And he comes and he comes about every three, four years. And he starts talking about some other pastor he knew. And he says, I tell you right now, I know I could turn that church around. He said, I can get that church full of people. And I, I know I can't preach, but I can get that church full of people. I thought, my God, man, you're not even here on time during the six weeks you come every two, three years. I'm like, no. Nah. You know, it's, it's funny. Me and most, most, most of my pastor friends have said this for years. And I totally agree with this. 
100%. If most Christians, now let me further, if all Christians would read their Bible 15 minutes a day, mm. pray 15 minutes a day, worship 10, 15 minutes, most of their problems would go away and, yes. and go to church regularly yes. and, be, and be a committed church member. And not, not when it's a convenient, not when you, you know, it, it's an every week thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's better than the gym. You're more committed to it. Right. But if you would just do those little bit of disciplines, that's like a, uh, so this is on the side. I love golf. I really do. I've always enjoyed playing golf. Mm-hmm. I like golf because to me, it's the purest sport. It's me and that ball. Mm-hmm. It's not you and me and the ball. It doesn't matter if you're faster, you're quicker, you're better. It's me and the ball. It's mm-hmm. just me against it. And, um, but so anytime I, I start playing again and I'll take layoffs and I won't play it. <clears throat> every time I start playing, I have to do one thing. I have to go back to fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I have to go back to how I stand, how I grip, how I take it back, how I go through, what kind of weight shift. Those are about the only, you know, five, six things really, you know, you work on. What's funny is professionals work on the fundamentals. Yes. Amateurs buy devices and clubs to fix their bad fundamentals. Right. And when I play great and I'm, I'm not a great player, but when I, when I played my best in my life, it's just because I kept working on those fundamentals and I got those fundamentals really down well. And, uh, you know, I, I really worked on them and got it down. You know, I was holding it the way I should. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm lined up. Right. You know, I've hit some great shots that didn't go anywhere near where I wanted them to go, but I did them perfect, but I had one <laughs> fundamental. off. I wasn't lined up. Right. You know? And so, uh, I think sometimes we, 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 I think we make the gospel in life you know, just way too complicated. Right. You know, it just, you know, just, in fact, I heard a preacher say this. I've stole it. I stole this when I was 16. If you will do the do's, don't worry about the don'ts because hmm. you won't have time to do the don'ts. Sure. Yeah. Said, but most of us are afraid of doing the don'ts, but just do the do's. Right. Just do the things you know you're supposed to do. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a little bit of a trap that, where there's unrenewed thinking, whether or Satan can use it, uh, comparison in the world, there's this trap of like, I've got to do this giant thing yeah. and then I'll make it. But really, like, if you just did the little things daily, they they become a, this ginormous snowball that can't stop. Because yeah. I've, I've had that, that's a trap that I have to be very aware of. Like, if I'm going to do some, whether it's playing music, uh, barbell lifting or something like, oh, if I had new squat shoes, I know my squat would go up. No, actually, if you just show up, you know, three to four times a week and over the course of seven years, you'll blow your squat up. But no, no, I need new shoes. That's what I need. I haven't worked out. Yeah, I need a protein (laughs) shake. I haven't worked out in four weeks, but that's that's the thing. If I just go buy this thing, it'll happen. But it's it's the same way with your spiritual life. Something I started doing a few years ago. I grew up a, a pastor's kid. I grew up in church and I read my Bible. But to say I consistently read it, I'd be honest, I would be like a hit and miss kind of thing. And like some days I might sit and read it for an hour. Oh, man, I feel so good. And then go three days and, you know, I read a verse each day. But once I finally said this, I've got to be consistent for about four years ago. I said, I'm going to be consistent. I don't care. I'm just going to read something every day. Sometimes I get more, sometimes I get less. And from that one decision, it has made my walk with with God so much stronger just because i daily did something. And that, and that's the thing, you know, the Bible talks about today is the day of salvation. You know, the past is yesterday. That's where the past lives. The future tomorrow, the bad thing about tomorrow is it never comes. It's always a day away. What you're doing right now is what matters right now and today. And yeah, you plan, you, you get ready for things to come up in the future, but how do you do that? 
taking action today. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's so important that lots of times people, they miss it. They miss this giant goal that they're wanting to do or the gift because they don't realize it's a bunch of steps to get there. I mean, you can you talk about golf, but you see in any kind of sports, you see successful business people, they just showed up. They kept showing up. They kept showing up. What Michael Jordan, he gets cut from his is it middle school or high school basketball team. He just, okay, I'm just going to shoot ball every day for the next year. And then he goes, tries out. And what we know him at is, as is this phenomenal success. But he was just the kid that wouldn't quit shooting ball. You know, so, like, so like my favorite golfer of all time is Ben Hogan. Okay. So most people don't know who he is now, but he won majors and stuff. Had a major car wreck and came back. And won. Wow. It's funny because his the, a kid he grew up with was a guy by the name of Byron Nelson, mm-hmm. who has, still holds the record for the most consecutive wins on the PGA. Wow. And will, that will never be beat, probably. It happened during World War II. That'll never be beat. Wow. I mean, I mean, he won like 12 or 13 in a row. And um, and with great scores. It's not like everybody was off to war, but a lot mm-hmm. of people were off war. But Ben Hogan struggled for years. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I love about his story. I mean, he just struggled for years. Quit, you know, wanted to quit a couple of times. And actually, the day he finally won a paycheck and felt like he might could make it, the morning he's about to leave to go get in his car, his tires had been stolen from his car. Mm-hmm. He had to bum a ride from the guy he grew up with who had won all those tournaments and was so successful. And what's funny is most golfers, they know the name Ben Hogan, but the name uh, Byron Nelson is a little more forgotten now, hmm. although he was probably the better golfer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but, but you, you just have to, you know, it, and what thing was, was, and the thing that they set him apart was he hit balls every day. Mm-hmm. He hit balls every day, yep, just even into up. his like seventies every day, because, you know, and he made a comment. And it's so true. He said, man, if I lay off a day, it takes me three or four to get back. Wow. You know, so, you know, but you have to be that consistent and diligent. And uh, I think that's where we all miss it more than anything. It's yeah. just the small, small diligences. Now I want to ask you this. We've been talking about uh, coming to the close of this episode, but we've been talking about gifts and callings and things. Um, I, I feel like I've heard you say this before. And I actually have a personal experience of several years ago when you visited here and you were preaching here. Uh, out in the foyer, you were asking me, so what are you doing, AJ? And I told you what I was doing. And at that time, I was doing some contract work, electrical contract work. And I remember the look on your face when I said that. You're like, okay. And I was like, I mean, you know, I'm helping out around church and things like that. And worship is like, okay. And then I said, I'm, I feel like I'm called to be in ministry, but that's what I'm doing right now. And you said, okay, all right, gotcha. And I remember you saying that you just have this, you can kind of, I don't know if it's, you, you tell us. Is it this thing that you feel like it's a spiritual thing where you can see the giftings in people? Is it because you just have learned to know people, a lot of people watching? Is it some of both? But I, because you kind of read through what I was saying, you heard what I was saying. You're like, nah, that's not what, a, you know, there's something more here. <laughs> I don't see that. N- nothing wrong with that kind of work, but I don't see you doing that forever. I, I saw that in your questions. I, I don't know if it's I'd say it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just an inner, inner voice, inner knowing, you know, mm-hmm. or conviction. Um, you know, uh, I was, I was, I was glad to hear, you know, two things. Number one, you have a job. <laughs> you know, it's like the old joke, you know, I heard a guy, a girl say one time, she says, I don't care if he's white or black or anything else. I just want a man with a job right now. You know, loves Jesus as a job. And, um, but then, you know, the other thing too, is, I mean, I don't know, you, 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 it is evident that the call of God is on your life mm. from me, 
you know, um, I, and I, I get around people sometimes and I encounter that in my heart, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's evident. That's, it's like, there's a guy um, I know right now, he is so hit and miss in his daily walk, mm. church and everything. And there is no question in my heart, he is called of God into ministry. And I'm not saying it's full-time ministry, mm-hmm. but he's called, but he just will not give himself into it. I don't know mm. if he's afraid. I don't, and, um, you know, he'll tell me, he's, I know I'm called to God. I know, I know God's got great things for me. I know, oh man, you know, I've just been busy, just been busy. <laughs> um, you know, everybody's busy. Sure. But, um, so, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, I always pray that I do that well. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I do it well enough sometimes. Mm. Um, I, you know, but I, I just, as far as you're concerned, I just, I always sensed you would be in ministry, mm. from, uh, I guess, from the cap guns and the cowboy hats. It had to be that, or, or either it was the Elvis Presley hip sway during worship when I was strumming <laughs> my guitar. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I think sometimes um, you can just see that in people. I remember Laura and I, we were doing some traveling. We were coming back up, maybe from like Charleston or something. We stopped to get some breakfast at the Bojangles several years back. We walk in, there's a young man behind the cabs register. I think he was like 16, 17. Cause I asked him this few years back. And um, he, at, he, you know, Hey, how you guys doing? I hope you're having a good morning. What would you like? You know? And he's, telling us about it's Bojangles, but he's like, we've got these different things on the menu that were, we got up hot and ready and everything. And I'm just so blown away because I I'm, I'm business minded. I love business. I love that kind of interaction with people. And um, when he takes the order, I give him the money. I said, I just want to tell you something. I know right now you're working at Bojangles, but there is something on the inside of you. That's going to take you really far, far away down the road in life. If you just continue to hone it, you just communicated to me, better than most people I work around and don't let anyone ever steal that away from you. Cause there's something in you that it's just so evident. And I know right now it's Bojangles, but it's going to be something much greater down, down the road of life. Well, I, um, it's funny. I, I have, anytime somebody does, you know, does a good job, I always try to hallmark it for them, mm-hmm. especially, you know, sometimes when people think it's just, you know, a nothing job, you know, <laughs> right. Um, because, uh, I, in fact, I used to, when I'd go to a restaurant and uh, I would look, <laughs> I always had this spiel, spiel I would do. I would look at the um, person seating. I don't care what kind of restaurant, a high dollar, you know, or Bojangles, but, you know, Cracker Barrel. Yeah. And I'd look at the person, I'd say, I want me a good waiter, waitress. I said, I want me a good server. Now, if they're not a good server, I don't want them. And I do know who's going to give them to me. And that's you. So I will take it out on you if I don't get a good server. And they'd laugh. <laughs> I'd sit down and I'd look at them. I did this so many times, but it's so funny. I said, no, listen, so, um, I know one time I was traveling, I had been gone from home and I was just ready to get home. But, I, you know, I, I was just, I was just aggravated and tired, you know, just worn out. I looked at this uh, lady, one time, I said, Pam, I said, I'm just going to tell you right now, I will tip you well. I will tip you nice. I said, I'm tired. I just want to be treated. You know, I said, I, I, I just want my food. I want it hot. And, um, and um, I mean, she went way above, mm. you know, everything. And I could tell my opinion, you know, she, and I actually turned into like a ministry moment where I, you know, began to speak to her about life and encourage her. Um, you know, so I, I think sometimes the bad thing is we don't do that enough for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've not just probably about two weeks ago, me and my wife were some, uh, we were eating and this kid was like what you just described. I mean, he is, he's given customer service Disneyland style. Right. And I'm at, 
Pete's Bar and Grill, you know, their dump compared to, and he's selling it and doing it right. I told him, I said, sign, I said, I'm telling you, I said, you're killing it here. I said, you've got way more in your future than what you're doing. I said, don't you ever stop. And he had a great smile. Right. And I think, I think the bad thing is we don't highlight that enough. Yeah. And we don't, um, you know, champion that enough. I know I told a guy one time and uh, <laughs> I went up to him and the guy was a waiter at a Cracker Barrel. And I said, can I ask you something? I said, can you give him a raise? I said, he's the only guy I want to wait on me in this restaurant. And he looked at me, he said, son, he makes more than I do on tips alone. <laughs> I said, well, there's a reason. I said, he is good. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes I have said it to try to, I guess, maybe challenge some of the other workers, you know, mm-hmm. I don't mean it's wrong. You know, it's aggravating to see anybody do a job just poorly mm-hmm. and, and have no care. Right. You know, almost like I'm, I'm an inconvenience to you. No, I'm, I'm paying your salary. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's my money that's going to help feed your kids. Right. There there ought to be a little bit of appreciation. I've never understood that. I I guess maybe some of that having that heart, you know, to want to honor people. I love your humility comes before honor. You know, if if you've got some humility about you, it's amazing how people will give you honor. You know, if you lift them up and uh, challenge them and encourage them. And uh, I don't know, to me and the world we live in and, Everything's so disconnected and most families are disconnected, you know, and, you know, sadly, you know, some people never hear that. They never hear any encouraging word uh, from you know, somebody in their family to, to champion them to, to do better. Um, yeah. And that's a big deal uh, because, because there is a lack of it, it seems like. And, and, and a lot of things oftentimes are kind of cutthroat when, when you can seed that encouragement into someone's heart and someone's mind, it'll carry them a long way. Uh, we probably can think of that in our own lives, someone that they just dropped something into us and they encouraged us. They, they honored us. They appreciated what we're doing. And that kind of makes up for all the wrongs prior to it or, and carries you through some tough times because you realize, you know what, this person may not understand it or appreciate it, but I know there's people out there and that's, I'm going to keep doing that. And it brings me to think about one night, me and my dad's at a Waffle House near his house. Mm-hmm. And we had been there. About every time I would drive through or something, I'd stop. We'd go to this Waffle House. There was this young girl there. Man, she was mean. You could just tell in her spirit mm-hmm. the way she would bite at people and bark at people. And she would do something. Me and my dad would just look at each other. Uh, it was almost a show, just going to the Waffle House and seeing how she would react. Right. And... um me and my dad did. And finally, one night we were there. I'm telling you, something happened to her. Hmm. I've never done this. I don't know if I've ever done it before. After I had her come over, she was our waitress. And I said, man, I said, can I say something to you? And she said, yeah. I said, honey, I've been in here a lot of times. And I said, you've always been just one mean cuss. I said, so I don't know what was going on in your life. And I said, I hope it you know, didn't take the wind out of it. I said, but I don't know what's going on. I said, but I'm going to tell you something. I said, I said, you're a different person than you used to be. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to commend you. I said, you used to be a hot handle. I said, I, you know, she kind of grinned. I said, but you really are. I said, you really are a sweet girl. And I said, I'm glad, you know, and it kind of shocked her that I was just so bold to tell her yeah. how much of a jerk she was. And she was, that was not, that was, I mean, I, I can't imagine why they kept her. Mm-hmm. but um, evidently they didn't have anybody else. You know, sometimes you can succeed. Like you said, just cause you show up, but um, it's not, but I, but I, 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 you know, I think especially in ministry pastoring, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta try to, you know, encourage people. Yeah. 
in that. And, and again, because, you know, sometimes they're never going to get it from anywhere else. Mm. Uh, and some families, you know, just tell their family, their kids, they're, they're worthless. Mm. When you grow up with that, that's hard to shake. You know, yeah. it's a hard ingrained uh, belief. And so, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you got to draw that out of people lots of times. Let them know. Yeah. I, you know, you've mentioned uh, T.L. Osborne, missionary evangelist T.L. Osborne. And I think that's that us was one of the most attractive things about the way he preached the, the word of God and the gospel. It was always so joyful. And yeah. so it was contagious the way he, yeah. he would preach it. And he would he always did it to lift mankind up because that's what the gospel does. That's what salvation does. It lifts man out of the murk and mire of sin and brings us up to a, a place in Christ, a new creation seated with Christ in heavenly places. But that that there's something that is within humanity that you've got to pull people up out of out of the the murk and mire and, and let them kind of it's kind of like what God told Abraham lift up your eyes and look around you know look at the stars lift you're going to have to change this perspective and that's so powerful when you get your perspective change and sometimes that requires us doing you know feeding into someone pulling that out of people you know I've always um to me Exodus chapter three love that and I've preached out of that so many times mm-hmm. um I, I consider that the whole plan of the gospel or the whole heart of the gospel in Exodus 3, because, you know, God told Moses on the mountain, he says, I am going to come down. I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to take you in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and so I mean, you think about the heart of God, you know, he comes down to us. Right. And, the, you know, the, and he wants to get us out of what we're in, out of the sin, out of the depravity, out of Egypt. But he doesn't stop there. He takes mm-hmm. us into something else, you know, and uh, which is always, you know, the hurtful part of the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. Uh, those children of Israel never should have died in the wilderness. You know, right. uh, the plan of God was to take them into that land of milk and honey, uh, yeah. but they couldn't receive it. But they anyway, get that, so, yeah, they couldn't get that Egypt out of them. No, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's something you have to, you know, renew your mind to, right. which is um, you've got to transform your thinking. You know, I, I, I go through phases where to me, uh, thought life is the most important thing I'm, yeah, focusing yeah. on. But anyway, you know, you, you have to have to renew your mind. But, you know, you think about it. Uh, God didn't come down to beat them up. Mm-hmm. He didn't come down to tell them how bad they were. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with a lot of preaching that was just, you know, it was hellfire and brimstone and everybody's going to hell. In fact, I had a guy come up to me one time. This is, this is a church of God. He goes, we need some more preaching. We need some hard preaching. I said, preaching about what? The love of, I knew where he was going. I said, you mean the love of Jesus and redemption? I said, no, about people's in sin. We need to be dealing with sin. I said, well, brother, what, what issues are in your life that we need to address? Yeah. I immediately put it on him. Right. And well, I, I ain't talking about that. You're right. I said, yeah. well, brother, I said, there's something you need to, we need to talk about. You know, and I, he got all frustrated with me. And, uh, and I wasn't yeah. trying to, but, but my opinion is most of the people who want to preach it on sin, they're the ones dealing with the sin, mm. you know, it, 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 you know, it soothes them to know that somebody's preaching against what they're dealing with. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and most people don't want conviction. Uh, my mm-hmm. opinion is most people consider conviction uh, to be a, a confirmance or, you know, a confirming thing in their life, you know, mm-hmm. but um, you know, it's a transference thing. I, I want to make sure, I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, uh, celebrities, politicians or something, they will rail on a topic and then you find out later, they, they were, were doing that thing. Or they were embezzling money the whole time. You know, it's a transference thing. Right. And, uh, but anyway, he didn't, he didn't appreciate that too much. <laughs> well, now uh, we've been talking a lot about pastoring ministry, but you're also an author. And I know you've authored many different books, but 
you're authoring, uh, or I think, is it five? You've done five Western books? Is I've got right? four. Four. And then I've got all those four, or the first three are put into a uh, another book. So Like a compilation. A compilation. You know, yeah. four. I've, I've got a fifth one I've actually about half done with, but I hadn't finished yet. Okay. So so why Western books? I mean, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's America. Mm-hmm. It's American, you know, it's, um, it's a uh, good and evil, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, that's like, you know, to me, most, um, you know, Star Wars. Yeah. I, I said it when I was growing up, Star Wars is a space sci- sci-fi Western. Exactly. Um, I don't know, maybe, but the Mandalorian mm-hmm. sci-fi West, you know, it's a Western. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I get some of it's my dad, mm-hmm. you know, I, I grew up watching Westerns with my dad. Um, I like guns. Mm-hmm. I love all that, you know, stuff. I love my cowboy boots. Um, I don't have a cowboy hat. I got fedoras, <laughs> but I don't, I don't wear a cowboy hat. But, I, you know, to me, it's just a classic form of, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a complete, it's probably one of the only American art forms that's truly all American. Because mm. you know, mm. there was, you know, I mean, when you think of a Western, you think of, you know, the American Midwest. Right. You don't think of Spanish Westerns or, you know, in fact, even uh, the Clint Eastwood Westerns, they were Italian made, but, you know, it's understood that it's somewhere in the Americas. You know, when I say American, I don't mean United States, but I'm talking about America, Mexico. Right. But since with all that culture through there. Right. So, and the Indians and, and uh, you know, American, uh, Native Americans. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. Like, that's what I love about, like, old school Westerns. The good guys, they always win. Yeah. And, and they come in and they blow the bad guys away. And that's, <laughs> and that's the way it's supposed to be. Like, and, and I know you're a John Wayne fan. So, so we'll get a little bit into this speed round. What's your favorite John Wayne movie? That's hard. That's hard. I mean, that's very hard. Yeah. Um, I love the shootest. His okay. last, um, I love that movie. Um, crying at every time. I'm not kidding. I'll tear up every time, every time at the end when he dies. I love the Cowboys. Mm. But was, I, that, was that an earlier one that's an early one that's from the 70s i remember yeah. going to the king drive-in with my mom we had sold pop bottles or something to go to the drive-in and it was john wayne but he dies in that one mm-hmm. i cry in that one every time i mean i just you know I, I'm, I'm an emotional guy i don't mind admit it but um in fact for probably 30 years i could not stand the actor who killed him mm. And, and then I felt sorry for him because he says most of the world hated him after he killed him. And John Wayne even told him, they're going to hate you when you kill me. He goes, he was right. So I felt sorry for him then. I like him now. Uh, I don't, you know, there's just so many. Um, what's the, what's the Scottish one? Oh, there's a Scottish. Oh, the quiet man. Love the quiet man. Yeah, to, to me, there's just, you know, I mean, I, I don't think John Wayne was the greatest actor mm-hmm. in some things. I think he was a good actor. No question. You can't, mm-hmm. can't do what he did and not be a good actor. Right. But I mean, um, uh, he wasn't a Jimmy Stewart or a Henry Fonda in a sense. But the other side that I like about John, you know, but who he stood for. Yeah. He, he was known for uh, America. You know, in fact, actually in the shootest movie, he's supposed to shoot a guy in real, uh, according to the story, he was supposed to shoot a guy in the back. Mm. and he told the director he said i will not do that he said i've never shot a guy in the back in my life on screen he says i'm not doing that mm-hmm. and you know, there's something about the character of, yeah. of that person and so uh you know so if it's a john wayne movie i can watch it i think my and you're right it's hard but my i think my all-time favorite uh john wayne movie is going to be big jake I can watch that movie. Love Big Jake. Over oh, and over and hey, over. Saw that at the King Drive-In too. Yes. 
And see, here's the thing. I realized this uh, one or two watchings ago. All it is, is the story of Abraham and Lot. I'm thinking this, this is, is big Jake. He's going in and he's going to take back, he, he, you know, his grandson gets kidnapped and he does whatever's necessary. And that's what I like about, I love that movie, but for that particular reason, you know, there's that scene where he comes back and his wife, it, which is, is it Maureen? That was Maureen O'Hara. Which Maureen they did a lot of movies together, but she's like, well, Jacob McCandles, I thought you've changed. And he just looks at him. Not one bit. Yeah. It's like no one wants him there. His sons don't like him, but they know he can do the job. And and I, I love that personality. It's like if you need him, if you needed to get it done, you called him. Yes, and uh, there's something really uh, there's something really. I don't know. That draws me to that. Like there's people still today. I want to be the guy that can get it done. You may not like me. I hope you do. But, you know, I can get it done. It's funny. Um, I guess there's certain aspects of that because my kids have said before. Uh, on certain things and I will get it done. Mm. I will, you know, uh, I, I joked one time, some, sorry, I said, I forgot how I told somebody and I was like in a store or customers. I said, listen, ma'am, I said, I'm going to get what I want and somebody's going to be crying. If not, it may be me or it's probably going to be you, but I'm going to get what I want. I said, cause I'm being treated wrong here. Mm. And almost always, you know, you know, my kids, have, there's been many times my kids will call me and say, can you get this taken care of? Mm-hmm. And um, I said, yeah, I can, I'll get that fixed. You know, I've often joked, I can be a, you know, I'm a fixer and that's, you know, I, and I can, I can fix things. I can, you know, work on cars. I can, uh, you know, I got some skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't preach. I'm not in the ministry because I can't do other things. That's one of my, one of my jokes for years. <laughs> you know, I, I can't do other things. Right. Uh, I can do it work. I can, I can work on stuff, but um. I just, I totally agree, uh, but I, but I love the, um, the courage, the Americanism, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to me, it's sometimes, you know, I've heard people say and stuff, well, um, like some of those movies, it doesn't show all the bad, right? Yeah, you know, in yeah. certain things. And, and it's funny though, because, you know, like I was reading a thing the other day and I said the other day, probably a year ago, but it was criti- critical of Westerns, especially in the fifties, sixties. Because, you know, it didn't paint uh, Native Americans the way they should, you know, the Indians. Mm. And, uh, but if you look at most of John Wayne's movies, they never, it was never disparaging either. Right. You know, it, you know so, so I don't think that's a, a proper context for him. But yeah. at the same time, but, you know, at the same time, any ideal is always so lofty. Right. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're trying to get the best. You're trying to get to the, to the pinnacle of it. Right. And you know, that's, that's like, you know, that's like, like we were talking about earlier when people talk about the overnight success story, we don't talk about the 20 years of drudgery and brokenness and bankruptcies and, mm-hmm. you know, stress and strife and that everybody goes through to get there. Mm-hmm. Now, what do we do? We, we, we focus on, man, it's great, man. I mean, I'm telling you, I, you know, you know, I mean, I've worked 20 years, but man, I'm, I'm, I'll, and you hear these people, I always knew I'd make it. Mm. No, you're the one who made it, who made it. You know, I mean, there's always other people. That's like watching American Idol back in the day when people would go, oh, I know I can sing. I know I've got a gift. You know, and then you hear them singing. You're like, right. yeah. But but you always have to have that idea. I think that's one thing I like about like the classic Western. Mm. And I've heard people talk about. And in the 60s, the Westerns changed, especially in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It became a darker Western. Right. And it was, um, it, you know, it wasn't as... Um, black and white as far as the good and evil mm-hmm. um and i and i get that i mean i get the reason for that and, and i like stories i like writing stories and i get why you do that you know sometimes it, you know you got to have a motive 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's good to show that. But, um, you know, it, it also comes to me sometimes like it's just undermining sometimes to try to undermine all things. You, you've got to have a lofty hero. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and you, and you think about any, any like, like even Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, you've got a lofty hero. You've got mm-hmm. Luke who comes through, doesn't think he can. You know, you, you have a lofty hero and he has issues. But just like even in marriage, if all I do is focus on the issues mm. that I don't like in my wife, I'll eventually not have one. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you, so you have to focus on the other. So anyway. Yeah. Next, next speed round question. If you're going to read digital paper, what do you prefer? Digital paper? Oh, I'm, I'm both. I'm, in fact, I just finished a book called The Bomber Mafia. Great book. You'd enjoy it by Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell. Um, it was okay. paper. Somebody gave it to me. Mm-hmm. Predominantly, I have, uh, I have two Kindles. I have a really old one that I don't ever want it to break, and I got a newer one. And I have one in one place, one in another, and they match out. Uh, I, I read more mostly on that or my mm-hmm. phone, Kindle app. I prefer Kindle because I can take it and have it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And books, yeah. you just, uh, there's just too many. I like both. I, I still like underlining, mm-hmm. you know, but I do like in Kindle, I can highlight. Yeah. And uh, I know I was taking a couple of college classes and somebody said, are you getting the paper books? I said, no. They said, why? I said, because I can highlight. Mm-hmm. I said, then I can go to this web page and it'll pull down all my highlights. Then I can print them in a Word doc and I have cheat sheets. And I said, so no. I said, where if I have a paper book, I have to sit and write all this stuff down. I said, wow. so no, I'm not. I'm, I'm all about that. So that's a hard one. I mean, I love both. I mean, I probably have in my office right now, Probably a hundred books I need yeah. to get out. Of here. Wow. And I'm about to box them up and store them. At least uh, 75, at least 75. I just, mm-hmm. you know, and some of them are old, uh, Kenneth Hagen, but I have an old John Osteen book. I mean, I bet that comes from the 72. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's not that old. It's almost 50 years old. But, um, you know, I, I, I hate getting rid of a book too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about with, with Bible reading? Are you going to gravitate toward paper or digital? Like, I, I, I do both. Do both, yeah. I do both. Now, I only preach from a paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't preach from a, an iPad. I can't do it. I just, I, I've done it before. I did a wedding one time and the iPad got hot. And thank <laughs> God I had printed me a cheat sheet on my dad's printer. I was at my dad's house, but his yeah. printer printed it in an index card size. <laughs> so I had, I needed a microscope to see it, but it was just enough. Uh, so I don't, I, I grew up, I, I grew up before everybody had PowerPoint and pro presenter sure. and everything. And, you know, um, back when it first come out, I had people say, why don't you bring it? But every time I'd go to a church, my font was wrong. It, it just wouldn't work. And so I just, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm kind of a ha- creature of habit in that. And I still like the visual of a Bible. Sure. Yes. Preaching. Yeah. On, you know, on, on, on video in person, mm-hmm. I still like that, but I still like highlighting and marking my paper Bible to me. There's something yeah. tangible about that. I like the tactile part of, of yes. holding Bible. And, and I think just practically, I've mentioned this before on, on the podcast that, um, you know, when I've got my paper Bible, it never notifies me. So-and-so just commented. Yes, on yes, Facebook yes, page. yes, yes, yes. I never have to plug it in. It doesn't ever get overheated. Uh, yes. Like I can just open it and be in it and read it and not get distracted. Now, I mean, I love, I mean, I have a, I use olive tree Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've used it for years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and after been using it for probably 10, 12 years, I have all the books on it. I want and all the translations. I mean, I love how I can click and, you know, copy paste. And I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine sermon prep without that. Sure. I mean, yeah. that's just, but, um, but I still, in fact, I could not find a Bible I wanted to use again. 
Mm. I found one Bible that I had used and um, I'd worn it out. It's, it was destroyed, basically. Traveling, evangelizing, mm-hmm. and getting thrown in my book break, uh, briefcase or my suitcase. But I had bought me a backup copy. Mm-hmm. I had really never used it. But I had used it enough to where it had fallen apart. Mm-hmm. So I just actually had it rebound. And that's mm-hmm. my Bible now. And, uh, and, and I don't want to get rid of it. That's the thing. Like, I've seen my dad do that. He's got, he, I'm sure he's the same way, owns so many Bibles, but he's like, I like this Bible because it has this, but this is where they messed it up, like, like formatting or whatever. Like, they did, they shouldn't have done this. If they had this coordinates and they had this layout and this, if I could just take these four Bibles and put them together, it would be the perfect Bible for me. My favorite Bible, though, my dad gave me when I was 16, it was a Kenneth Copeland Bible. Mm. It's actually a reference one. Yes, but it's actually a Cambridge Bible. Yes that they bought from Cambridge back in the day, but they don't make that model. Mm-hmm. It is the perfect height. It is the perfect thickness. It's the perfect size. Um, Copeland, Kenneth Copeland's ministry. They don't put it out in that size anymore. I, don't, right. I, don't, I guess nobody makes it that way. And, but it's King James. I like mm-hmm. new King James. I prefer it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can use King James, but I prefer new King James. Seems a little bit easier to read for most people. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, I'm so aggravated. You know, it's, it's sitting right behind me. And I'm so aggravated. I cannot, cannot find another Bible that matches that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I, well, the Bible industry is like any other business industry. You, they're going to have to have new products to keep, you know, interest and, and yep. things. But it's like, man, you had it perfect. Why did you change it? Or why don't you print it? You know, like, you know the you worst thing. The worst thing now is um, like where I live, Southeast Atlanta. There used to be Lifeway Bookstore. You can mm-hmm. go in and look. Now, I just found out books a million. There is a books a million near us and they have a huge Bible selection. Okay. I couldn't get over that. But the thing I I hate now, you know, I I bet in the last five years I have ordered and sent back four or five Bibles looking for change. And I, you know, so I'd order from Amazon or somebody online, um, CBD or Christian book distributor or something. Mm -hmm. And I'd look at it. It's not red letter. It said red letter. (laughs) Send it back. You know, it's paragraph form. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for teaching, like maybe if you wanted to sit down and read, but then again, that's, that's something my dad told me years ago is like, if you just, if just, if you just get the Bible that you like, you know, that Bible don't, don't have, don't, he said, don't do what I've done and have a dozen Bibles because what will happen is you may not remember the text or the reference, but you will see it on the page. And you know, what's funny is my original Bible from when I was 16 that I preached with for probably 10 years there are certain passages I still, even in the book I have, Bible I use now, I know Ephesians chapter two, by grace are you saved. But I know right. where that's at in the page. Yeah, you and can in my see head, it. I'm still seeing it at that point, and it's not there. Right. And that's what I miss. That's what yeah. I miss. Absolutely. That's, now, that's, very, that's very true, very profound. Now, obviously, you're a reader. Uh, you you want to sit down and read it? Audio? You prefer both? You like I do audio both. books? I do both. I have um, uh, audiobooks.com. I do that. Mm. Um, I, and I like audiobooks better because I listen to it usually at one and a half or two speed. So uh, I heard someone I heard someone say that not too long ago, and I never thought about it. And I tried. I was like, this isn't half bad because now I'm, you know, I'm kind of gaming it because I'm oh, yeah, getting through it faster. I'm consuming more. And it's it, it made a lot of sense. I watch, actually, I watch almost all my YouTube videos. If I'm watching somebody one and a half speed, um, <laughs> I'm all about time. Oh, and so, uh, but I, you know, I, 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 
I do both. I mean, I just, I, I love knowledge. I've always, my dad told me when I was a kid, and it's funny, my dad wasn't a reader, but he said, son, if you want to be smart, you need to be a reader. Mm-hmm. He said, reader, he goes, all smart people are readers. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. He said that. So I, I looked at somebody, I mean, I looked at myself and I said, I want to be smart. Mm-hmm. So I actually, and I hated reading mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So I just made myself start reading. I fell in love with it. Yeah. You know, somebody I've had people say, well, how can you fall in love with reading? You got to find something right at first that gets you going. So that's like, if I, if I've been busy and I've had a, a time layoff or reading and I really can't read as much. So that book, the bomber mafia, I, I read that in basically two settings, hmm. I read half of it one night and half of it the next night. Couldn't put it down. Just a great book. And, uh, I'll find something that I like. Now I love detective stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Perry Mason novels. Those are mm. great. And they're, you know, clean and you don't, you know, um, but you know, so I find something that you like. Some, I had a guy tell me one time, he said his mom, he was homeschooled, but his mom couldn't get him to read. He said, and finally she found some book of some Green Bay quarterback player he loved. <laughs> he said, buddy, I couldn't put that book down. Yeah. And all of a sudden, after I read that one, I thought, you mean that's, I can, this is what I get to do. This is what reading is. And mm-hmm. So, um, but my dad used to actually, I'd, I'd look at him and say, I'm bored. And he would grab the encyclopedia, which nobody <laughs> knows what that is, and just hand it to me and go, read. And I'm like, okay. So I'd, I'd, you know, I'd read the K's <laughs> and I would just flip through, flip and read, you know, but it's how you get smart. You know, it's how, yeah. you, it's how you have some depth. You yeah. know, that's, that's like my opinion. You can, you can talk when you talk to people, you can tell people who read, you can mm. tell people who don't. Um, yeah. That, that's, that's funny too, because, because of the day and age we live right now, you know, we're hit with uh, 15 second Instagram stories, uh, a YouTube video needs to be seven to nine minutes or you're going to lose people, you know, all these like metrics, because as you mentioned earlier, people's attention span is shrunk, but what's so powerful about reading, whatever it is, because I, I, you've got to not be afraid to read a couple books at a time, in my opinion, because like some some days I want to read, you know, Andrew Murray on prayer, but then the next day, like Sunday afternoons, when I, we, I know, you know, the feeling you get home from church, it's been wide open. I'm going to put on my, you know, sweats, pajamas, and I want to grab a, a fun read. And yeah. Maybe it's Ian Fleming. I'm, I'm reading through the James Bond. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, those, are, those are great too. And I'm like, I'm just going to zone out and read that. But when you just the act of reading, uh, it does something for your, your, your mind, the way you, um, the way you can constructively think about things and process things. And then for even me, you know, I'll find myself saying words. I'm like, we don't say those words in Lawrence County. Where did I, oh, I must've read that. You know, it's like your, your vocabulary gets better. You can, can communicate better. It's a, I love reading. I absolutely love it. I, I mean, I sincerely, I feel sorry for people who can't read. My heart hurts for them. And then I, I, I kind of hurt for people who just don't want to read. Mm-hmm. Now my dad, again, my dad was never a reader. And uh, you, do you remember the book, The Shack? Yes. Came, you know, my dad actually, he heard something. So he went and bought the book, mm-hmm. which I was shocked. You know, this was uh, about 10 years before he passed. But he went out and bought the book. And read. I mean, I was so proud of him. You know, like he was my, my child. Because <laughs> I mean, he never, he, he's got, I don't know how you do that. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how you don't. I mean, you know, yeah. and the other side too, you know, to me, sometimes like, and I, I guess there's a little bit of escapism. I guess why mm-hmm. I like Westerns too. You know, you're frustrated. You don't know, or not, not even frustrated. You're at a point in life or something. You know, there's sometimes you just need a mental break. Mm-hmm. And I had a guy tell me one time, and I thought it was good. And uh, but he said, you know, he said anytime he hit a hard spot uh, in work, and uh, he was a machinist, mm-hmm. he said if I couldn't fix it or build it, he said I'd go off and take a break. He says, you know, and um, 
you know, this is back in the seventies. So he said, you know, he goes, I'd smoke a cigarette, get me a Coca-Cola get me a pack of crackers. I'd, I'd do something. Mm-hmm. He's the most amazing thing. Yes. He said, somewhere along the run, walking back, he goes, I'd have an idea. <laughs> he says, you know, and you know, you think about the Sabbath, mm-hmm. everybody needs the Sabbath, you know, yeah. uh, everybody, everybody, you, you gotta, you gotta have some, you, you gotta rest. Built in rest. And to me, re- reading is restful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is very relaxing for me. So last uh, question for you. Yes. If you could sit down and talk with anyone, living or dead, who's it going to be? You know, I don't want to sound unspiritual. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. The last person oh, when they said that, they said, uh, well, obviously Jesus is the cop-out answer. I said, yes, yeah. apart from Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Okay, okay, thank you for that. <laughs> you need to add that to the question for the next interviewing. So they know. Oh, no question. Winston Churchill. I see he's, there's a statue yeah. of him right there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I got that. Uh, the first thing I ever wrote and sold. I went and bought that. Wow. It only paid a third of it, but I still bought it. Um, I love Winston Churchill. I love reading about him. Um, he, he went through uh, terrible lows. Mm. was um, extravagant to excessism, excessively extravagant. Um, became prime minister in World War II and was broke. Mm. Actually, uh, his friends had to help bail him out. Wow. And he wrote all the time. Great writer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, just just a defiant figure in the face of adversity when, you know, and there's that one movie, the darkest hour. And it points it out. But if you read his biographies, you know, everybody wanted him to capitulate to, to Hitler. Wow. Or, or sue for peace. Uh, Cause they were getting decimated. They were the only ones standing up to Hitler at the time. France had fallen, Belgium, Netherlands. I mean, uh, nobody was standing up and, uh, and he wouldn't, you know, he, he kept fighting and he, he thought about it. You know, if you read history, his history, he, he considered it. Sure. I mean, you have to consider it's an option, but he, you know, he's the one who, uh, you know, to, to me, he's just such a intriguing uh, historical and an influence, uh, it's, but stutter, uh, he used to stutter real bad. And, uh, I stuttered as a kid, I guess mm-hmm. I identify with that. So, um, no question, Winston Churchill. And he, and he's the, uh, makes, I'm, I mean, among many famous speeches, but never, never, never give up. Never give up. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, there's so many things like that. Yeah. And, and that speaks to me, especially because, you know, and, and I think another thing too is uh, he wasn't afraid to change. Hmm. Like most people don't know this. So he grew up, um, uh, you know, his father was Lord Randolph. So his, um, so he, he wouldn't, uh, the way the hierarchy thing is a uh, Lord is the son of a, a something, but that title wouldn't go to Winston, hmm. but he was born in Blenheim palace I mean, he knew all the royal family. I mean, he ran with royalty. So he was a Tory. He was a conservative. And the Tories really started losing their way. And so one of the great days is when he, they call it walked across the aisle. Mm-hmm. He upon the conservative side of it, he walked over to labor became, and became a liberal. Mm-hmm. And in American culture, he went from being a Republican to a Democrat. Right. Well, coming into World War II, the liberals were appeasing, mm-hmm. even though they were in power. And he got up and walked over again. Mm-hmm. And he, he became a conservative again. And he, he had a quote that I've always loved. He said, it's one thing to be a rat. He said, but it's another to be a re-rat, you know, <laughs> because he was willing. But, I mean, you know, he saw the times changing. And, I, and I, that always speaks to me because sometimes, you know, traditionally, and I'm bad about this, we get so structured and stuck. We're so unyielding to change whenever, you know, culture changes. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't mean, you know, who you are changes, you know, but the culture has changed. You have to adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that's phenomenal because most people in that day would not do that, mm-hmm. would not do that. Because, you know, when you walk across, you cut strings, you, mm. you cut your relationships. 
and he managed to survive it and, 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 and to me to have the guts to do it. Yeah. Some people say that was because he was, um, uh, self-aggrandizing and egotistical and, you know, and he may have been, but, you know, but, uh, you know, sometimes um, to do great things, you just have to put everything else aside, and, you know, chase that. And which I, which I admire, I, I admire that, you know, and the other, on this, you know, he was a prisoner of war. Wow. Uh, during the Boer War, he was captured. He actually was a non-combatant who was fighting. So he was he could have been killed as a uh, saboteur. And wow. uh, he, he was very excited about the whole ordeal because he knew that would get him national recognition, get him into politics, which you know, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, uh, <laughs> there's a certain level. He was actually a cavalry officer. Wow. OK. Uh, which, you know, who uses cavalry? Right. Um, you know, but they still had you know a full cavalry unit that he was trained in and uh, just uh, just an interesting family that's awesome yeah. that's awesome and then as i understand a believer you know uh uh you know i, I don't know how deep but sure but, there, but in some of his writings you can tell uh christianity and, and jesus was uh, in his life so, mm-hmm. so i hope hope i get to meet him in- absolutely yeah, he, he had just a, such even today just a just a bold present personality. I mean, you know the, the depictions of him you see in movies and and shows and just in history. Yeah, so definitely that that, that was a good answer. I like that. That's awesome. Well, as we finish up today, Pastor Chris, um, could you please just pray for us in the Faith for My Generation podcast family and uh, and we'll close out in prayer. Okay. Father in Jesus name, I just thank you for uh, the, the gift that's in AJ and the gift that's in all of us through you. And Father, right now, I just ask that you give us wisdom and knowledge to pursue you with all that we have and to put our hands to the plow and not look back. And Father, just illuminate the gifts that we've, you've given us, uh, help us become faithful to them, servants, uh, servants of you with them. And uh, Father, help us realize the greatness of it. It may be small in our eyes. It usually is because something we can do. But Father, help us see the fact that it serves the kingdom, that it serves others, that it blesses humanity. It preaches the gospel. And Father, I thank you right now for um, all that you've got in in, uh, AJ's life and all that you've done in his life. And that Father, he has many more days of great expansion of ministry in front of of him. And Father, for this generation, that um, uh, this is the generation uh, that we've all longed for to be a part of, and that your spirit is strongly moving in this generation. Your anointing is being made manifest in this generation. And Father, you do great signs and wonders today in this generation. Um, As AJ said, the past is gone and the future ain't ever getting here. So Father, we know that today you are the Lord of a supernatural outpouring of your spirit in this generation. So Father, we receive that in Jesus name. And I bless my brother, I bless his family, I bless his father and, and Sheila and the, the church. And I thank you, Father, for this honor and privilege today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again so much, Pastor Chris. We really appreciate you being on the podcast and I hope to do it again sometime in the future. Anytime, anytime. You're always and, a blessing. And thank you for listening. This is Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.